Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. This is a good day. I said, this is a good day. Praise the Lord. Good to see your smiling face this morning. All is well in your home. Hallelujah. Just thinking about um, the songs that you guys were singing, Pastor Michael, uh, the worship team. Just thinking about God's faithfulness. He's always faithful to us, even when we're not very faithful. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter whether it's a rise or fall of the economy. Doesn't matter what's going on in our government. He's always faithful. Because he's a personal God and he loves us and we have a relationship with him. And it's not about religion, it's about that relationship with him. And uh, so you can be rest assured that no matter what comes your way, He's faithful to, to do what? To keep his word. He's a keeper of his promises. He said he'd take care of you, and he'll do it. I don't care what comes along. You know, I'm, I'm just so thankful that God isn't uh, blindsided by things or things doesn't uh, shake him, regardless of what goes on, regardless of whether you get a, uh, a, a notice, a, 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 a you know, to vacate your premises or, or uh, notice that, uh, you know, a, a, a report from a doctor or something that's not good. God's promises never change. He's faithful, and he's your provider. He's your healer. He's your friend, your helper, praise God, and he'll always be there. Always. I said always be there. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what goes on. God's faithfulness is, is solid, it's steady, it's steadfast, and you can count on it. Hallelujah. So next time uh, discouragement or disappointments try to come your way, you just said, this too shall pass. Praise God, my God is faithful. Amen. This too shall pass. My God is faithful to me. Keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He never changes, never changes. You know, it's, uh, sometimes it's a little bit hard. Uh, you know, we look and see how mankind is as far as, you know, always changing. But thank God, God doesn't do that. Amen? And then I wanted to, something else that was just kind of on my uh, uh, heart as we was entering into worship there. Um, this is, I, I don't know, there's somebody that needs this here today. Psalms uh, 37, verse 23, says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And that word good is the word goodly, or the man that walks uh, godly unto the Lord, the man that endeavors to walk righteously unto the Lord. Uh, the NIV says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Okay, so uh, you've heard me say this before, that there's many, many times 
if we're not careful, we're right in the middle of God's will for our life, looking for God's will. Let me say that again. If, if, that, if that's you here today, if, you, if you're like, well, I just, I, I, I want to do more. I want to do, I, I want to, and that's good. But sometimes if we're not careful, we try so hard in the natural to find that place or the thing that the, the Spirit of the Lord wants us to do that we really step outside of His plans and His will for our lives because we pursue something that's not him. So, so I, this has to do, if you're that person that's walking goodly before the Lord, that you're endeavoring to do what's right, if you're endeavoring to, you know, you keep your relationship solid with the Lord, you spend time with him, worshiping him, spend time in his word, then he says your footsteps are ordered of him. See, when we do that, when we, when we put him first in our lives and pursue him, then he, uh, it puts the responsibility on him to direct things in our life and direct us to the right place. Because after all, that person, that goodly man or woman, that person is, is going to endeavor to do whatever it takes to please the Father. Is that right? We don't want to walk uh, displeasing unto him, we want to please him. We want to walk, and so if that per, if it's that person, if you're that person that says, "Lord, I just want, I, I just want to follow after you. I want to do what you have for me. I want to walk pleasing to you." Then he's going to orchestrate your life in the right direction, and you're going to be where you need to be at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. And Ayla, I had, you were one of these that I thought because you, you just want to be, you want to do what's right. And you want to please him. Sometimes, and now this is not just for Ayla, but sometimes this is, we can take any of the, any of us, it'll fit. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and said, Lord, I'll be content right where I'm at. And in doing that, then the Lord can work because it's when we get all flustered and when we get all antsy about, okay, what's the next move? What's, what's the next? Where, where do we go here? That sometimes we step outside of where we really need to be. So I believe the Spirit of the Lord saying, if you're that person this morning, just chill in me. I got this. And I'll make sure that you're at your next appointment when you need to be there. Amen. You'll be at the right place at the right time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that was just a couple of things that was just kind of on my heart. Hallelujah. We had a great time in D.C., Washington, D.C., uh, this week. Um, I'm thankful I don't live there. Dear Lord, was it humid. Oh, gosh. And it wasn't really all that hot. But, I mean, I don't care where you're at. You're, no, you're not perspiring. You're sweating. <laughs> That's a couple levels up from there. I mean, it is, 
it's ridiculous. I mean, I know it was bad when we was in Oklahoma, but man, it was, uh, I'm just thankful it wasn't any hotter than what it was. If it had been like what we had here yesterday, 95, or with that kind of humidity, Lord, uh, it's just uh, almost unbearable. And, uh, but it was really good. The uh, Christians United for Israel meetings was just absolutely awesome. I want to say this. If you say, boy, I tell you, I don't like what's coming out of Washington. I'm telling you, you see all the bad. I'm here to report to you there's some awesomeness going on in Washington with some people. We heard from uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, DeSantis and uh, uh, probably about at least four or five, maybe even six different other uh, senators and legislatures there that are are in love with Jesus, praise God, and are doing everything they can possibly do, and they are keeping the heat on. It is awesome. And then the standing behind Israel uh, that we see there, it's like we will stand up. We will not. And, and it's, um, it's, it's amazing the, uh, uh, when you see that many people coming together and seeing that, that, that we don't see on the news, you know, that that's not reported. But I'm telling you, there's some people uh, working in our government that love God, praise God, and are, are very, uh, um, very active in the things of God and uh, stay, or stand with Israel in our government. And it was such a refreshing thing to see. And uh, wow, it was it was awesome. I mean, we we just came away from there with just a whole different. I mean, we we know we've been praying for him, but but we we got even more clarity, I believe, on how to pray, um, and whom to pray for, and so just keep your eyes on Jesus. Praise God, Amen. And uh, you know, God's plan over this nation will continue to prevail. No weapon formed against us or this nation can prosper. Amen. And so uh, keep, keep uh, those that's, uh, uh, that are, are godly, that are doing what they believe, know is right, uh, keep them in your prayers. Keep them lifted before the Lord. They need our support. They need our prayers. And uh, they're just honored to be there doing what they can do. And, and, and it was really cool because the majority, basically, of the attitude was the more they say no, the more they put the pressure uh, to go uh, more and more woke and everything else, the more it stirs us. We're in the right place doing what we need to do to stand against this. Hallelujah. So that's pretty cool. And uh, it was a blessing. So, And, of course, then we got to go uh, meet with uh, 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 Cynthia Lummis and, uh, and uh, John Barrasso. Well, actually... Um, and then uh, Harriet Hageman actually, uh, 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 um, she was Harriet was was busy. They had votes on the floor, and they were running back and forth. But um, we got, to, uh, of course, each each year when we go, we usually take three bills in to them and introduced. And uh, the day after we were there, they passed one of the bills um, uh, unanimously. And because there was, it was the first time they've had 100% of 100 senators uh, that were reached, that, were, uh, that opened their, uh, uh, their schedules up for appointments with people. So 
on that day, Tuesday of, uh, uh, of this last week, this past week, there were 100 senators visited, plus other, many other uh, uh, representatives, state representatives, visited by Christians United for Israel uh, concerning, um, uh, uh, you know, standing behind Israel, standing against anti-Semitism and the uh, BDS movement, the boycott, divestments, and sanctions. And uh, in other words, um, you know, it was just a real bombardment from Kufi, and it is each year to all of our uh, Congress people uh, about, hey, this is, we're watching you, and this is how we need you to stand up for and to stand against some of this stuff, and they listen. And so it was really, really cool. And uh, to know that uh, the reception that we have there, and it, it, it is making a difference, praise God. And so we're thankful to be involved in this organization. And some of you don't know, you've heard me say before, but there is actually over 12,000 Christians United for Israel members in the state of Wyoming alone. That's pretty incredible. Over 12 million worldwide. And there's 12 million Jews in Israel. Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, I don't think that's any accident. So it's good. It's good to be involved in that. And it was really good. This is uh, Pastor Nancy's first time to be able to go. And so it was a blessing to see her taking it all in. And she came away with so much. And I think one of the main things is, is of course, knowing how to um, you know, prayer is, is big on her heart and knowing how to stand in prayer and, uh, you know, uh, for and against different uh, things that's in our government. So it was good. And then we had, uh, uh, then we got to, to, of course, you know, being there and having favor and getting to go underneath of the, you know, the real insides, you know, down in the tunnels and stuff uh, of, of the Capitol and and, uh, uh, you know, see different people and everything. But then on top of that, then we, uh, we took a tour of the Capitol. And it was pretty cool. Some of you know John Shade here in town with Edward Jones. And his, uh, one of his sons, Benjamin, is my employee uh, um, as an electrician. And his brother, or John's uh, other son, William, uh, is working as an intern for Harriet Hageman. Um, uh, right now this summer and so when he saw that I had applied for a tour he asked Harriet if he could uh, take us on the tour and so um, it was a blessing to have somebody there that we knew but right away we come in he said I've set my day aside to take you guys and show you everything I can and so uh, it was neat we got to go in the house and the senate both in sessions and sat in for a while of things that was going on in, uh, in the gallery, and uh, just to see a lot of the special things. And uh, so it was a blessing. It was a good, good, very good trip. And, and then, of course, before that, men, those of you that went to the uh, uh, men's uh, uh, conference this year, did you enjoy that? One. <laughs> I guess. Well, let's see. We got one back in the back. Uh, that went. Uh, well, There's just a couple here that uh, that went. I think uh, 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 we we headed down. Had a little snafu off the bat. We got down to. Uh, oh yeah, uh, David, you went too. Did you enjoy it? 
How about your brother? Did he enjoy it? Yeah. It was cool to have you guys along, too. And I know, uh, um, I know uh, Ren's brothers, they went, and I know they enjoyed their time there, too. But, uh, and, uh, and then they had asked me to speak at one of the breakout sessions there this year. So that was a real honor and a privilege to do that. And uh, I think there was some, there was a couple hundred men there, and uh, it was uh, it was a blessing. So praise God. I didn't tell any of the men before time, so I waited till they put it up on the screen. And, and uh, so anyway, but it was good. Praise God. But we need to get going here. We're running out out of time. A lot of things going on. Again, uh, I want to um, reread the first paragraph of our vision for this month. Our uh, Word of Faith uh, uh, Family Church vision, the first paragraph of it is that Word of Faith Family Church, our vision is to teach Christians who they are in Christ Jesus and how to live a victorious life in their covenant rights and privileges. The fulfillment of that vision takes place when those believers become rooted and grounded enough in God's Word to reach out and teach others with those same principles. That's you. Amen. Say, that's me. Who is that? It's when the fulfillment of that vision takes place, when those believers, it's us in this room, become rooted and grounded enough in God's Word to reach out and teach others those same principles. So we know that it's really important um, to not only uh, um, you know, to hear about it, and, and for Word of Faith Family Church, us, it's very important to get that message to each one of you. We know that's the call. This is the call that God's put on our heart to do, to come here. When we came here in 96, 1996 and, and, and pioneered this work to start with, the message was, or the mandate on us was, go teach the, uh, uh, teach the people the Word of God, that they grab a hold of it and they take it and they begin to apply it in their own life and begin to reach out and teach others. Hallelujah. So one-on-one, um, and, and -on -one and, uh, uh, in families, and situations, and whatever. And so the importance of, of this is to know that the Word of God is available for every one of us. But as we begin to teach uh, uh, and minister on this, uh, the life of Paul, what uh, the, 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 one of the big things that I want to make sure that we uh, uh, portray and that we uh, um, make it plain to everyone is this very thing. There's a lot, of, a lot of people that are born again. They love Jesus. They, they love God. But, uh, you know, they're, they've, uh, uh, they have Jesus in their heart. And they know it's, it's, it's uh, uh, they have no problem with walking as a, a Christ, uh, as a Christian, Christ-like, but they, they've never really found out who they are in Christ, that they're a new creation, a new creature. The, uh, one translation says, a new species of being that never before existed. In other words, that begins to place a different uh, walk in our life. We begin to talk differently. We begin to act differently. We begin to think differently. We begin to conduct our life differently because we realize that He lives in, in us and we live in Him. And that, there's, that we are His hands and feet in the earth right now. 
not just to lead others to Jesus, but this very thing right here to teach people who they are in Christ, that, that, that they have authority here on this earth and they can get things done. So I think one of the biggest things that we see with some of Paul's teaching is it went uh, so much uh, uh, further than the early church. It, it was that, that every one of us has been appointed to be God's hands and feet in the earth, and we have been deputized to do so. We've been deputized to, uh, to uh, uh, stand up against the works of the enemy and say, no, you don't, devil. You're not going to have a place in my life and in my family and in my community. And, uh, uh, and, and, and began to believe God through faith that supernatural signs and wonders and miracles take place on a consistent basis, that God's work in the earth is continues on through you and I. And so we're just not a little, okay, here taking up space and sucking up ex any extra air and saying, why isn't life good? But whether we're actually touching lives, that we actually uh, encourage someone that needs encouragement, that maybe discouragement has set in, and we encourage them and we tell them, hey, you don't have to stay here. God has good plans for your life, praise God. This too shall pass. Hallelujah. And encouraging one another that we're in this together. You're not alone, praise God. And all of heaven is backing you. And we have a job to do. There's things around us that needs to be done. And it's not going to be done by just somebody that says, oh, ho-hum, I guess what will be will be. But somebody takes stands up and says, no, there's been authority given me. I've been deputized to do the work of my Heavenly Father. I've been deputized to do His works here on the earth and see that things get done. You heard me uh, talk about... I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, about how that uh, um, a few years back that, that, uh, uh, that we were, uh, there was a, a rash of, uh, of, of deaths that had happened in some of our teenagers, young people. There was a couple of car accidents. Those of you who remember the one where there was three of them right outside of town here uh, that, that, that passed away in a car accident. There was another car accident, I think, that took a couple more. There was a couple suicides and things, and, and it was just ridiculous. And the Lord spoke, and he says, how long are you going to allow that to take place in your community where I've placed you? And that's, that's, that's basically it in a nutshell that God has set us here. It's no accident that we're here where we're at. We're here to make a difference. And I'm not talking, when I say we, I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about all of us. It's no accident where God places you and I and sets us. He sets us there to be his hands and feet there. And part of what he wants to do through us is through the authority that's been given to us. We know that the Word of God in many different places talk about authority, and he talks about power. Many times in the King James uh, translation, some of the other translations even, they don't pick up on it, but if you go back to the origi uh, original uh, text, whether it be Hebrew or Greek, New Testament or Old Testament, we find that there's a difference. There's many times that the word power is used when it's really the word authority. 
We know the difference because we've used the illustration that, you know, if you're going down a road, all of a sudden a policeman stops out and, and holds up his hand, and he's signaling you to stop. Does he have the power to stop you? No, he does not. There's no power, no contest for your vehicle, one person standing out there. But what's he have? He has authority. If you override that authority, you will deal with the power. Okay? So you see the difference. Well, Jesus uh, 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 defeated the enemy in hell itself. Not only did he do it on the cross, but we know the Bible says, He that ascended is also that descended into the lowermost parts of the earth. He defeated Satan openly, and, and then he uh, ascended and stopped by uh, earth on the way and gave those keys of victory to the church, to you and I. And basically when he commissioned the, the, the great commission, that's, that's, that's go forth. Go ye therefore and do what? Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. See them healed. Uh, uh, cast out devils in my name. He deputized them from the authority of the victory that he gained when he was in hell. And then he gave us his name. He gave us the blood, the blood of Jesus that nothing can cross. He gave us his word. Amen? And with those th three things, we have authority over the enemy. When we use his, the name of Jesus, the devil don't like that name. He remembers that terrible day in hell when Jesus defeated him in front of all of his buddies and rose victorious. Amen? And so he gave us authority over the enemy. Somebody say amen. amen. Say thank God. So the enemy no longer can control and manipulate us, but he gave that authority to you and I. He doesn't, he, 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 no place in the word do we find that he has, he has told us, you come to me and I'll take care of, of your problem. No, he's already taken care of the problem. He's already defeated the enemy and he's given us those keys. And he's given us the keys of victory over the enemy, praise God. And so that's what Paul began to uh, uh, preach and, and teach when he preached about Christ in you, that you're not your own, but you're bought with a price, and you've been deputized, you've been given authority over the enemy, you're in him, I'm in you, praise God, walk as I walked on the earth, praise God, and do the work that he wants us to do. And so many Christians are saying, God, the devil's messing with me. Get him off my back. And, and God said, no. No, I have defeated the enemy. I've given you authority. You get him off the back. And so the authority that's been given to us, we're to use. So the name of Jesus has been given to us. We've been given authority over the enemy and so when we say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, we might be holding up our, our stop sign, but backing that is all of heaven, and Satan knows it when we use that name. So the power rests in God himself, and Satan knows that. And so when we know our authority that we have over the enemy, and we exercise that authority by the, uh, by the authority given to us by Jesus, that's why, how do we pray? We pray to the Father 
in the name of Jesus. So we're accessing, we're using our authority through the name, and it's uh, and behind that stands the power of God Himself. So that's why we talk to God and use the name of Jesus, because that's authority. That's what's recognized here on this earth. The devil knows what he knows that name. He knows what's what was worked and what was wrought in that name. Praise God. And when you and I stand up in that, that, Satan knows that we know who we are in Christ. If we just say, and I've even said this, so I, I want you to, I, I want to say this just so you, that you uh, uh, get this, understand, and I know you do. But when we, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you know, pray about this or take your authority over this if you would for me. And I said, no, no, no. You have more authority than I have. Even though I might be your pastor and stay in a position of a pastor, you have more authority in your home than I do. That's your home. It's not my home, it's your home. Hallelujah. And so know this, that the person that has the most authority is you yourself, and when you know who you are in Christ and you exercise that authority, the enemy knows that he can't stand against that name that you're using. Hallelujah. I cannot tell you how many times in our children growing up, uh, you know, that we use the name of Jesus in our household. You can ask our boys. I heard Pastor Michael talking about how his mom would come in sometimes during the night and, uh, and, and just, uh, you know, pray over them, use the Word of God, and, and use that name in the name of Jesus. Well... We have a right to that name. We've been given that name. And it, it, it gives God great pleasure when we stand in that name, praise God, and declare who we are in him. So I said this uh, uh, before the last couple of weeks that I've ministered, but it, it bears repeating. When you learn who you are, you know how you're supposed to be. I think you should write that down. When you learn who you are, you know how you're supposed to be. What does that mean? Well, how you're supposed to be. You know how you're supposed to act. You know how you're supposed to think. You know how you're supposed to talk. You know how you're supposed to walk here on this earth. You know how you're supposed to live when you know who you are. When the enemy comes along and says you're nothing, you say, ha, ha, I beg to differ with you. I've been made kings and priests unto God. I'm royalty, praise God. I'm an heir of Christ Jesus. The greater one dwells in me. And so many people, again, to really understand, you have to go back to the three-part uh, person that we are. We know that we are a number one, a what? Spirit. We have a soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. So our body is our earth suit that we have right here. I've asked you how many of you can see me. You can't see me. You can see my earth suit. But the real me is on the inside. The real you is on the inside. And that's why it's real careful. We, we have to be very careful and not judge someone by their earth suit or by what they do on the outside, but praise God, we got to know people from the heart. That's where God deals with us from the heart. 
We might be a mess on the outside and we say, don't give up on me. God's working on the inside, praise God. And so we're changed from the inside out. And so as we stay in the Word of God, the Word of God builds us up spiritually, but it also strengthens and begins to mold, begins to form, begins to change our soul. The way we think, the way we, our emotions are, it begins to stabilize our emotions, and it begins to affect the choices that we make. So we begin to make more solid choices instead of, you know, just doing something and, you know, I, I, I know that uh, there's been times, especially uh, uh, back when I was just a, a young Christian, that I, I would do things, I would buy things or, or, or do things out of uh, the choices I made without consulting with the Lord, just doing them. And so the will, my will was making, I willed to make choices, sometimes wrong choices. I know nobody here has ever done that, but I'm telling you I have. But praise God, the more I learn, the more I have to listen to the Holy Spirit, and not just every choice is a good choice or is the right choice. Because there's a lot of things that we, that's up front is not how, what they appear is different than what they really are. And the Spirit of God knows those things, and as we listen to Him, He can direct us and, 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 and head off some things, sometimes save us a lot of grief, and a lot of problems, especially sometimes financially and things. And I'll say this, if you are in maybe a mess financially or not in a good place financially, praise God, that can change. You can change by beginning to listen more closely to his direction, God's direction in your life, and begin to make wise choices instead of flesh-ruled choices. Now, that might mean sometimes putting your flesh down and telling it no. Oh, dear God. Telling my flesh no. Do I have to do it? Yeah. Sometimes it's a good thing. Because Romans, the eighth chapter, talks about, starts out, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who live not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And so we want to be Spirit-ruled more than fleshly-ruled. Fleshly-ruled is how we are when we, when we didn't know Christ, when we wasn't born again. But after we accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, we begin to grow in Him, and we want to begin to make choices that... that uh, uh, is a blessing to the Lord and is right choices so that we don't have to go back and redo things that we all messed up on. And uh, sometimes that has to do with, uh, that requires the wisdom of God, especially financially and, 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 and sometimes of who we may be doing business with and things uh, of that sort. And so, but if we get his direction on it, we'll begin to make the right choices, praise God. Thank God we can make the right choices, amen? And under God's direction, he'll help us uh, in those things. So, um, turn, if you would, please, uh, to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians. We read this before, but uh, basically this is what Paul uh, declared about who we are. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, 
if any man, who would that qualify? Is there any of us in this room that would exclude? And we know this is not talking about the gender part of a man. This is talking about mankind. Therefore, if any man, who would that, who would that, that's every one of us, right? Therefore, if any man, and which really, uh, uh, well, if any man be in Christ, what's it mean to be in Christ? means to be born again, we use that term, or or means accept him as our Lord and Savior. Amen? It's not about joining a church. It's about that relationship with God. It's about saying, uh, Jesus, I see, you know, when you died on the cross, your blood was shed for me. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me, praise God. We accept him as our Lord and Savior. We are born again, or we are made a brand new. From that time, from that moment, things begin to change we, end, we, we begin to, our heart is changed and things begins to take on a new look. So if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New. Everybody say new. Brand new. A new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all, how many things? All things are become new. So now we see that something brand new, it's new to you and I if we hadn't ever done that before. But the moment that we do that, then everything is brand new. The way everything looks is brand new. I remember the, the, the night that I got born again, that I gave my life to Jesus. Everything changed. I had hatred in my heart for my father, and it changed on that very moment. The love of God entered into my heart. Uh, it began to affect my thinking. All of a once, hope began to come from my future. Uh, before that, there was no hope. I couldn't see my way out of where I was at the time. So hope came in. A freshness came in. A joy came on the inside. The peace of God came on the inside. Things began to look brand new. Things began totally brand new. The hatred I had for my father passed away, and the love of God entered my heart. Now I've seen him with love and compassion. That's not natural, but that was from the new that I had just received, the new relationship. My, I, my heart was made brand new, praise God. So everything began brand new. Was it like, was everything completely changed? Not, there was things that I was in the middle of and doing that I had to change, but I had no problem changing it because my heart was different. You've heard the saying, get the root right, you get the fruit right. Amen. And so it's important when the heart's changed, it begins to affect everything on the outside. So Paul here saying this, he said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things uh, or became become new. Sometimes we have to we have to remind ourselves. No, I'm not that old man any longer. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't uh, do that. Uh, uh, what I used to do. You know, I used to think about. You know, before I was born again, I was like, why would I want to do this? Why would I want to be born again? Because now I'm going to have to be somebody different, and boy, that's going to be really boring. I didn't realize there was a whole package deal when you accepted Jesus, when you got born again, that all of a sudden the nature of God came on the inside, and you didn't want to do those things anymore. 
So let me ask you this. How is it then that people that have been born again, even sometimes for a long period of time, still go do and live the same lifestyle? Sometimes it looks like there's no difference. It's because they haven't put on Christ. Because they haven't grown in their relationship. Right? And... And, and, and as we begin to grow in our relationship, what happens? Then we go higher. We go further. But if, 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 if uh, we're like some Christians that, that maybe accepted Jesus, asked Jesus to come into their heart, but never stayed in the Word of God, never spent time in church to grow, to learn, never spent time worshiping the Lord, staying before Him, praying, communing with Him, letting Him commune with us, then Christ being formed in us, even though the heart was changed, yet the spirit of that, uh, of that individual was weak, emaciated because he was never fed. It's like you and I, if we, if we go and never feed ourselves with time, we begin to lose strength, we begin to get weak, we get, begin to make poor choices and decisions, we become ineffective. Guess what? Our spirit man will do the same thing. Many people have been born again for 20 years, but they've never fed their spirit. They're never fed on the Word of God, and they, and, and they can't figure out why they don't have the strength to live the life of a Christian because there's nothing there to draw from. Their tank's past empty. It's dry. It's gone. Everything's gone. They have no resources there. But when you get into the Word of God, the Word of God is meat. It's food to us, praise God, and it causes us to grow, it causes us to, to excel, and it causes our performance to go higher and higher, praise God. But it's something that God's not going to force us to do. We're free moral agents. It's up to us to get into His Word. It's up to us to develop that relationship. It's like, it's like a, a husbands and wives. Whenever you, I remember when we were uh, first dating, uh, uh, Pastor Nancy and I, uh, you know, the, the more time that we spent together with each other, the more our relationship grew out of that. If we hadn't spent the time together, the relationship would kind of begin to wane. But, and, and, then, and, and so that's where a problem is a lot of times in relationships today. Maybe you've been married for 20 years, but you no longer work on growing that relationship. Folks, that's something that never ends. It's something that we have to continually work on day by day by day. The more we invest in our relationship with each other, the more we invest in each other, the more, the stronger that'll grow and the more that it'll flourish. The same way with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If we don't spend time with Him, if we let the things of the world come in and crowd that all out, and then all of a sudden we need Him for something, it's, 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 we don't feel that we can go right to Him. It seems like we're almost powerless in things because our relationship isn't thriving, isn't strong. I figured I'd get at least one amen out of that. Praise God. <laughs> but it's, it's true. And so we have to invest in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Whenever we know that we, are, as Paul talked about, that living this life of being in Him and in whom, then as we live that life, there is a, there's a continual investment that we have to make in living this way. I want to read a little more out of this book, Paul's System of Truth, by uh, Brother Mark Hankins. He says, If ye then be risen with Christ, out of Colossians 3, 1, 
Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. God initiated our identification with Christ. But we must accept it and mix our faith with it. He identified us with himself by sending Jesus to the cross to become sin and for us so we could be dead to sin. We must accept by faith our identification with Christ in his resurrection. The significance of the resurrection is determined by the nature of the death. When you understand what happened on the cross, Jesus' resurrection becomes not just his victory, but victory for every believer. Because he did it for us, right? He didn't do it just to say, well, look what I can do. He did it to give the victory to you and I. Once you see yourself seated with a victorious resurrection Christ at the right hand of the Father, you will never again identify yourself with defeat, failure, depression, fear, sickness, poverty, or lack. The truth of his triumph, which God hath branded into our spirits, will cause us to de declare, I am going over, not under. I went under with Christ in his death, but now I am going over with a new identity he has given me in his resurrection. I lost my old identification, and now I have a brand new one. I am wearing new dog tags now, stamped with a name that is above all names. You're a totally different person than your mother and father made you. It does not matter who your earthly daddy is once you're born again. God is your daddy, Romans 8.15. This does not mean to disrespect your parents, but it means that every person who may not know who their biological parents are do not have to live their whole lives with a big gap in their soul. They can declare, I am identified with Christ and God is my father. I know the family I belong to. When you're born again, you're re-fathered. You may have come from a dysfunctional family, but now you're part of a fully functional family, the family of God. So this doesn't, he's not, he's not, it's a totally different thing than saying, okay, re-fathered, like, okay, your parents doesn't mean anything. No, he's not saying that at all here. Basically, he's saying you've, you have a higher, because mankind can miss it, we can, we can, we have faults and failures, but there's no faults and failures with God. You can get a whole new identity when you accept who God says you are and believe you have what God says you have. God can give you a new identity. He is our, quote, manufacturer. He is able to produce a new identity for us. We're not dealing with someone who just repairs things. We're talking about someone who makes people out of nothing, who makes someone out of nothing. God alone is the creator. He is the original people person. Jeremiah 18, 2 and 4 says, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good for the potter to make it. So the Father of God molds us and will make it when we allow ourselves to remain in his hands, praise God. Um, God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I'm going to show you 
that when people have defects in them, I can make them again. God is in the business of remaking people. He does it from the inside out. When you're born again, your spirit is recreated. When God rebuilds you from the inside out by renewing your mind and by changing your attitude and thinking, the recreation then becomes evident by your actions. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13. The devil would like to destroy your dignity and your self-esteem, and when you see your value in the light of the price God paid for you through Christ, you will hold your head up high, forget those things which are behind, you will say to yourself, glory to God, that person died, I am a brand new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God we are. Amen? And then I want to read this. Colossians 3, 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. God initiated our identification with Christ, but we must accept it and mix our faith with it. He identified us with himself by sending Jesus to the cross to become sin for us, so we could be dead to sin. We must accept by faith our identification with Christ in his resurrection. The significance of the resurrection is determined by the nature of the death. When you understand that what happened on the cross, Jesus' resurrection becomes not just his victory, but victory for every believer, which we just read. So as we, as we, as we uh, begin to find out more and more who we are in Christ, we begin to find out who that new person is supposed to be, how they're supposed to act. So turn in your wood, if your Bibles, and I'm running out of time quickly here. We'll have to pick up some of these things later. But go over to Ephesians chapter 1, if you would. I really like, and I tell you what, if there's ever a, a book in your Bible you should have marked up, it should be this one, praise God. You should identify with this because this is, especially your Ephesians prayers, we talked about where it says, especially in Ephesians chapter 1, where it says us or we or me, or, or puts it in the, in the, in the first sense in, in us, that we put our name in there. We can pray, our, uh, pray this and put our name in. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that's, uh, that's, 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 God needs to move in. And put their name in there. Somebody in your workplace, put their name in there and pray this over, the, over them. But what I want to look at here is, is this uh, part right here. Um, let's begin reading uh, in verse 17, 117. Um, uh, let's back up to verse 15, Paul talking. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints... I cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he's talking about something that's given to us, right? That the eyes of your, or you could say my, if you're reading it to yourself, of my understanding, being enlightened that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So you see how I'm putting it uh, to me in the personal sense. You can do this, read this for yourself, 
and it makes it much more personal when you see it. It's like, okay, I see who I am in Christ in this. And it was the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according verse 19, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now this is a prestigious place. His right hand of the Father uh, significance, uh, signifies a place of rulership, a place of authority, okay? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So it sounds like to me a, a place of supreme authority. Do you agree? Amen. Now listen to this. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Who's the church? That's you and I. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So here is Jesus, defeated the enemy, was raised victorious, and, and was raised to the right hand of the Father to sit. Seated shows a place of completion. If I, and and I've, I've done this before. Uh, so if I, if you go to do a job or you, you go complete something or whatever and you go and take up the, the position of seated, it's done. I've completed the work. Jesus done what he needed to do and he sat down. He took his seat at the right hand of the Father. Well, Jesus, I need you to do this. No, he's already did it. Jesus, I need you to bring healing to me. No, he's already did it. He bore those stripes on the cross for you and I. He completed it. I like to say it this way, it's in the bank. Jesus, I need you to get some finances for me. No, he's already won those finances. He said, I supply all of you need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're not getting him back up out of his seat. To come do something because it's finished. It's done. It's completed. Hallelujah. So if you're looking to get him to do something, you're in the wrong mode because it's already done. It's up to you and I to receive what he's already done. It's a finished work. When he hung on that cross and said it's finished, that part had to do with everything that he did in his body at that point. He took, he took the beatings. He took the blasphemy, he took the abuse, he took everything. He was tempted in all points like until we are. He felt everything that we'll ever feel. He went through the whole gamut. Everything that you and I would ever go through physically, mentally, anything else, he took it and he said, it's finished. He looked so horrible, so marred, so transformed by taking all this yucky, terrible sin and everything in his body, he took it, not just from, from the beatings that they did, but everything that was laid on him was laid on him. And he said, it's finished. He completed it. He looked so bad on the cross. The Bible says his own father turned his back on him. 
couldn't stand. He couldn't stand to look on all the nasty, the sin. He did it for us. He went from that place then. He said, there's something else that must be done. He went to hell's domain, and he defeated the enemy. Anything spiritually that could ever come against you and I, he defeated openly in front of all of Satan's buddies. Complete victory and rose out of that and then said, not only do you have victory on the cross, physically, emotionally, anything, I also defeated the enemy spiritually. He can never force your hand another day in your life. Don't allow him to do it. That's being in him. That's taking it and saying, yes, sir. I will not let the enemy run roughshod over me, over my family, over my community, over my government. I'll not allow it because the authority has been given. Hallelujah. That's who we are in him. He didn't give that authority to the angels. Angels don't have that kind of authority. They're not blood-bought. They're not redeemed. We sing the song of the redeemed. The angels will fold their wings. That's why they looked at mankind. (sighs) Angels looked at mankind and said, Lord, what is this man that you created him just a little lower than yourself? God loves us so much. This is how God made Adam and even the garden. But then the gulf came, the great gulf between man and God. And God says, I love mankind so much, I'm going to get him back. Son, would you go pay the price? Would you be, go be the one to lay your life down, to shed your blood, because I love mankind? And Jesus said, yes, sir, I'll certainly do that. And that's why as he hung on the cross, taking all that abuse, he said, for the joy that was set before him. He's seen you, he's seen me, and he's seen us in him living in victory. Let's stand our feet and praise God. Hallelujah. God loves us more than the devil hates us. Aren't you thankful for that? Hallelujah. No weapon formed against us can prosper. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Blood-bought. There's a lot invested in us. Now, he expects us to take our place in him, to take our authority. So next time you get tempted to do the things of the flesh, do this and my own stuff and here and there and get my own ideas, say, Lord, Forgive me. Help me get back on track. The plan is so much bigger than that. 
It's about reaching people. It's about touching lives. It's about seeing a nation changed. God could have picked anybody, but he didn't. He picked you and I to represent him here in the earth right now. That's pretty amazing. Our minds can't even fathom that. Why? Because we're not mere men. The rest of this, when Jesus was seated, went to the right hand of the Father. Ephesians says what? For we are seated with him. We are to rule and to reign from that seat. We're to take our authority with him. We're seated with him. The enemy is under our feet. The things of this world are under our feet. The greater one lives in us. We are more than conquerors. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, I want to encourage you today, don't be discouraged, but begin to step into the greater you. Begin to make the decision, I'm going to spend more time in my Bible. I'm going to spend more time working on this relationship with my Father. I'm going to spend more time loving Him and receiving His love for me. She's been reading a great book lately, and we were, she was reading a lot of the excerpts from it when, on our trip and things, and it's, it's by John Bevere talking about the all of God, A-W-E of God. Some of you may have read it. If you haven't, I encourage you to get it and read it, praise God. John Bevere. And he talks about the difference between the love of God and being in all of God, the reverential fear of God. He talked about how there's been many people, even in ministry. He had one gentleman that was in ministry and, and ended up going to jail, doing some things that was not right financially and other things. And he told John Revere, he said, John, he said, I loved God, but I didn't fear him. Now, that's not fear and trembling. That's in reverence of him. He said, I was, I love God, but I had no fear of God. I had no uh, holiness towards God. I never set aside myself to God, and I never realized that what I was doing was bringing dishonor. And so even though I said I love God, I really wasn't loving God because my actions proved otherwise. If that's you here today, there's no condemnation. It's just that we need to get it right. Amen. We need to get it right. We need to do what we need to do in our relationship with God. Returning to our first love, loving Him. If there's something going on in your, your life that's not right, it's not pure, it's not holy, like I said, God doesn't condemn us, but he, he's asking us to get, get those things right so that we can truly be his representative in the earth, so that we can truly do it. Folks, the importance of not being flesh-ruled but spirit-ruled is huge. Every one of us deal with this flesh every day, and we can never let the foot off the gas concerning our, foot, our, our flesh. Can't turn a blind eye to your flesh. 
because the Bible says it's enmity against God. It always wants to do what it wants to do. And that's why we've got to keep our spirit man built up to hold the pressure against the flesh and also our mind being renewed, our soulish realm, our mind being renewed, our, our, our emotions stable and our choices, our will, our choices making good choices, keeping our flesh in check. It's the only, only power we have over this flesh is to stay in the Word of God and keeping ourselves built up in Him. Hallelujah. So, we're going higher. Amen. We're learning. We're all growing, praise God. And uh, so we should be uh, always saying, Lord, we, we want to go higher with you. We want to do these. And you know, what I'm talking about here, every one of us deal with things, different things in our life. And... Uh, uh, sometimes the things that nobody knows anything about. And it may not be a big deal to somebody else, but we know that it's the next step in our life that we need to get a handle on or whatever so that we can go higher. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a, it's a choice that we make, not because somebody is telling us to make it. It's because we know on the inside. And I want to caution you, don't override it. The Lord is very, he's very gentle He's very, but he's very persistent because he knows that once we are able to, to handle those things and begin to work on those things, we grow in our relationship with God. And God's a jealous God. He wants us to be the only one that's in love with him. Yeah. And nobody can make us do it. It's a choice we make. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'd like to do this in going out today in prayer. And uh, if you're here today and maybe you've never accepted Jesus, maybe you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about a church, this church or any church. I'm talking about a true relationship saying, Jesus, I want you to take over the controls of my life. Or maybe you have done that at some time in your past and you know, you know what, I've walked away. I'm not where I should be. And I need to recommit my life back to him for once and for all. I'm not talking about this is something you do every, every Sunday when, uh, when I put out the call. or something. I'm talking about once and for all that you said it and said, okay, this is it. This is a commitment that's solid. I'm making this commitment between me and the Lord. So I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please. This is just between you and the Master. If you're here, either one of those calls, one, you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, or two, you have, but you know, okay, I'm making the, the decision. I'm drawing the line in the sand right now. From this day forward, I mark this. Things are going to change. Either one of you, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Because I'm going to, reason I want to see your hand, I want to hook my faith up with you. Thank you. Praise God. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anyone else? You know. You know this message hit home today. It's like, okay. But guess what? Nothing changes if we don't take action against it. And so when we take action and say, okay, this is it. I'm drawing the line right now. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. 
Thank you. So let's pray this prayer. Now, this is not between you and me. I'm going to just lead you in this. And you mean this to your heavenly Father. You mean it with all of your heart. And then you don't just leave the work up to God. He'll help you. But you and I have got to, when we make a decision to do something, a vow to do it, we need to keep our end of the vow. We need to make it right. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and you just talk to him about this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love for me and your great patience with me. I come before you humbly, and I ask you to forgive me. Truly forgive me. I'm sorry. I lay that down at your feet right now in Jesus' name. I ask you to live big in me. Do what you want to do in me. From this day forward, I make the decision. Things are going to be different because I make this decision in perfect honesty and truth. Thank you for helping me in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, I receive your love and your help. Amen. Father, those that prayed this prayer and men with all their heart, I hook my faith with them, and I declare in Jesus' name they will go over and not under. They will go higher and not lower. They'll step up and not down. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging each heart. And from this day, things beginning to change and to be different. Hallelujah. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting any need that anyone would have, whether it's financial, whether it's health reasons. Thank you for strengthening bodies. Thank you, Father God, for strengthening minds. Thank you for clarity of thinking. Thank you, Lord, for clarity of sorting things out in the mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, all being well in Jesus' name, and we give you thanks. Amen. Praise God. Well, God is good. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, for being a part of Word of Faith Family Church today. We love you. We thank God for you, and we're believing for good things in your life. Go and be blessed. Praise God. We'll see you later this week, Bible study at eight o'clock or at seven, uh, seven o'clock, not eight, seven o'clock right here. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's word. Always remember you're valuable and precious, special and important to him.